Hello, my friends. Welcome back to 100% BS. My name is Bella Solana, and I'm your lovely, lovely host. Today, we have a special guest. They're all special, aren't they? They're all special. Um, but today's guest, her name is Lucy Fink, and she is a very fantastic human being. Um, we, I go into how we met in the podcast, which is kind of a cute, funny story, but she is a multifaceted creator. She is a YouTuber. She does it all, literally all. Okay. She's a fantastic person. You guys are going to really enjoy it. Um, but so she's a lifestyle host, a YouTuber, a digital educator. She does really, really cool brand partnerships. She's just like the coolest creator like she's and she's also og she's been doing it for a really long time so she knows her stuff um and yeah we get into all types of stuff regarding her life as a creator her experience with the birth control pill and all that fun stuff so without further ado i will just let us get into it um so please enjoy what's up everybody welcome to the show i'm bell solonat and you're listening to 100 bs Okay, hi Lucy. What's hi, up? Literally, I couldn't be more excited right now. No way. That makes me so happy. Seriously, I just there's some people in your life who it feels like Christmas morning when you get to talk to them. That is so sweet. And that's such a nice way to explain it. I I seriously feel the same way about you, which is why I'm also freaking <laughs> pumped. I like had on my EDM jams and I was like getting pumped up before this. Um, but yeah, I just was like for a couple of months now in my head, I was like, I need to get Lucy in my podcast because she's just the best. And like, I genuinely look up to you so much and just like have enjoyed becoming friends with you. So oh. yeah. So thank you for doing this. It like seriously means the world to me because you're just the fucking best. So oh, You're so welcome. And thank you for asking me. And I just think it's so cool that you're a patron of mine and that that's how I met you. But yeah. I, I just don't, not that I want other patrons to hear this and like think that I <laughs> think that I think of them in any sort of way, but like I just don't think of you as a patron. Like I, for some reason, I think of you as a fellow creative and a friend. Yeah. And you just happen to be someone that I met through that community. But there are a few people in my life, and you're one of them, that it genuinely feels like Christmas morning to get the chance to just like banter and chat about work and life. And yeah really fall into that category. Well, I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. It's funny because I was actually reminiscing about, um, I was FaceTiming my sister Ollie yesterday and I was like, dude, remember that I owe it to her actually for introducing me to you because I don't know if you remember this, but she tagged me in the package free giveaway like a year and a half ago. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And that's literally where it all started because I remember going off because I was like, I, I never entered in giveaways. I was like, I don't know why, but I fucking love this one because I just at the time was like really obsessed with eco stuff. Yeah. I'm kind of have fallen off, which is a bad thing. But mm -hmm. at the time was like in that whole world. And I remember she, she tagged 5, me. entered times. Yeah. And I was just like, oh my God, like tagging my sister and being like, I need this, I need this. And it was just like hilarious because that's how I found your Instagram account. And then obviously like the rest is history, just loved everything that you did and like, you know, it's so like, amazing. it's interesting when you vibe with someone because of the positivity, like that's something for you that I have noticed. And I think you've even shared 
of like, how do you stay positive all the time? And for me, like, that's how I grew up. That's just how I was. Like, I've always been like a no matter what, we're going to see the bright side. And like, that's mm-hmm. been ingrained into me. So when I see someone else that does a similar thing, I'm like, we vibe. We just, we connect. Like, yep. it's, yeah. And I also feel like the internet doesn't even necessarily see the half of that for me. Like, I feel like so much of what I post is my work and things I'm doing like creatively. And it's all very curated. And obviously, of course, I pop on stories and post random things, but I don't share everything. And right. I really do approach every single aspect of my life with an optimistic viewpoint, but so much so to the point where it's it's also about the stuff that I don't share and don't talk about just because it's more personal or health related, or it's like, I'm figuring something out. So I haven't posted about it yet, but I just totally notice in myself that I have this lens on life of for better, or for worse. It's the lens of everything is happening for a reason. And even if something's shitty being like, there's going to be a reason in yeah, either yeah. 10 minutes or 10 years why this happened. And then I'm going to figure it all out. And there's been a few incidences like that recently for me with random health things where like, I thought my life was falling apart. And then the next week I'm like, thank God I had that because it led me to this and it led me to that. And I wouldn't have done this. And so it's just a personality trait, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it also, I honestly think is also a trait in like usually successful people because something that I learned recently. So even though I definitely have identified as like a very positive person, like that's how other people would describe me. I recently have been learning a lot about manifestation and in the past few months, like it has literally changed my life because it's all about that exact practice where you start to trust that even both the good and bad things, the ups and downs, ebbs and flows are part of the journey and process. And like, especially when it comes to a health thing, it's hard to be like thankful for that because Mm -hmm. you're suffering in the moment. But interesting, I actually think we have a pretty similar journey. We've had similar experiences because I was actually actually in the hospital my freshman year of college in the first semester because my lung collapsed. Oh, wow. Out of nowhere? Yeah, yeah, literally out of nowhere. Like they did a bunch of tests afterwards and never figured out like why it still like was spontaneous. And the interesting thing Oh my God. And then now you like shuffle all over the place. Are you not nervous? Your lung is going to collapse out of nowhere. I know. Well, so what happened was a quick version of the story is it's funny because it happened on Halloween weekend. This is my first semester of college. So all I'm thinking of is like, I need to party because it's Halloween weekend. (laughs) And it literally, I'm ended up in the emergency room and I was like dumbing it down. Like I thought it was just a cold. I almost ignored it and like didn't do anything about it. And I was getting my ankle checked out because I'm a dancer, been dancing forever. I had an ankle issue from overuse. So I was across the street from the hospital and then my, my mom happened to come to Boston to be with me for the appointment. And I told my mom, like, I'm having some chest pain, but like, I probably should have a cold. It's whatever. And then the doctor, the ankle dude, like listened to my chest and was like, you need to go to the emergency room. And I was like, okay, like, sure. It's probably not a big deal. Right. So I literally like walk across, I'm not kidding, walk down the building, across the street and just waltz into the (laughs) ER. Fucking ridiculous. And ends up, I have a collapsed lung. Whole thing ensues where I'm like in the hospital for almost a month, basically like with a break in between. I end up having surgery on both lungs so that they like are, it's called a pleurodesis and they basically stick the lung to the lung wall. 
because I had these weak spots in my lung. Apparently it's common for like tall, slender people, but even less common for women. Like they were like all of the trainees were observing me because they had never had a girl that this happened to ever, which was like, wow. Yeah. But so long story short, the point is I look back on that hospital experience and like, I'm completely thankful for it because a, like that kind of experience just teaches you so much about yourself. And like, if you can manage the pain of like a surgery and like having things stuck in you and being uncomfortable and being constipated because of all the pain meds, like that shapes you, you know? So it's like, definitely, you have to be thankful for that stuff. I know you had a similar yep. experience with your gallbladder, right? Yep. So I had gallstones, which I believe are a side effect of being on my birth control pill for seven years at the time since coming off, I, I ended up going on it for another three years after that surgery because I didn't really make the connection. And all my doctors told me that it was cool to stay on, but pretty sure it was the pill. You know, it says it right on the package, like yeah. it might cause gallbladder disease. <laughs> but I was starting to notice pain and went to my friend's dad, who is a gastro. And he was like, you have stones. If you were my daughter, I would tell you to just take it out because you could be, you know, traveling for your job and be across the world and have an attack from the stone, meaning like the stone could clog the bile duct and you could just need emergency surgery, which is a lot less fun than just, obviously it's not fun in either way, but then just getting, you know, preemptive surgery. So I had never had any surgery before. I've never broken a bone. I almost like went into it with this gleeful optimism, which was probably good, honestly. I love watching surgical videos on the internet. I love like watching gory, bloody stuff. So it's not like it freaks me out or grosses me out. Um, And I was pre-med at Johns Hopkins for a hot minute. So I was like into the whole medical thing and I learned everything I could about cholecystectomies and got super excited for it. The morning of the surgery, I made a whole vlog on YouTube. It's up there called my surgery story. And you can see like the morning of the surgery, I'm like smiling and laughing and like honestly excited. Like I, as if I was about to go to Six Flags or something. (laughs) And I was partially excited because I knew my pain would subside shortly thereafter, but I was just excited. And my whole family was very worried about it and nervous and supported me throughout it. Actually, Michael had his friend's bachelor party in Nashville or something that weekend, so he couldn't even be there. So I was like with my parents and sister and they were all very, you know, dampered down and serious about it. But I was just like cracking jokes. And my sister was like filming a video of me as we got out of the car to go to the hospital. And I put on my sunglasses and I'm like, no pictures, please. <laughs> like I was really treating it like a joke. Yeah. And then post-op didn't feel like a joke anymore. Cause then I was in so much pain from obviously the incisions, but also like the CO2 that they have to pump in you. Like it was just very painful. But I agree going through that anytime I hear of anyone that has had a surgery, let alone a cholecystectomy, I just feel a connection because like you get it. (laughs) For sure. And I mean, it's also like relating to, I mean, your experience also kind of directly is what led you in understanding the pill and like that whole thing, which I definitely want to dive into that. But it's interesting because you can be because a lot of times it's interesting at the beginning of your 
uh, video about the pill, you make that disclaimer, which I thought was a really smart thing to do about how like, just because you're questioning the pill and the guy knows and like you didn't have a good experience, that doesn't mean that you, I think you said that you're not like a conspiracy theorist, which it's funny because that term has become like the definition of the term doesn't actually like suggest that you're like a crazy person, but we're starting <laughs> to use the term to like say, to like, you know, brush off whatever theory that is. But basically it's like, you can question what happened, you know, with the gyno and your whole experience, but still be thankful and know that there's a time and place for, you know, modern traditional medicine. Like obviously, totally. you know, natural remedies wasn't going to fix my lung. Like I'm aware of that. Right. Right. Yeah. Like there's obviously extremes there. But I do think it's interesting, and I'm sure you're aware of this, it's like some people, when they have a personal experience that causes them to question the traditional, you know, it's either conventional medicine is the word for like the traditional. Or I think for like Western medicine. Yes. And then holistic integrative is like the, the other end. Yeah. So basically when you have an experience that causes you to question the conventional medicine, that can sometimes, this is actually what happened with me, start to lead you down a path of like questioning other institutions because the conventional medicine and like, you know, just even the typical way of if you have a cold or the flu or whatever, the typical course of action tends to be a prescription drug or whatever versus the course of action being holistic food, nutrition, whatever. And so why I think that that leads people down to an extreme is you start to question the institutions that are tied to it. So like you compare, you know, you say the gyno like didn't inform me about all these things, which I had the same experience. Like I didn't know any of the shit until I started to read about it. I had a really close friend like kind of inform me of it. And then I read Jolene Brighton's book, Dr. Jolene Brighton's book, which also so jealous you interviewed her because I'm obsessed with her. <laughs> she um, was yeah, she's so fun. But so, you know, you have a personal experience where you feel like betrayed by this medical institution that's supposed to like be helping us. And that can start to trickle down. You're like, okay, what else is kind of like in question here? Like, you know, the mainstream media isn't always telling the truth. And like it very quickly spirals into that, which in some ways, like I think I'm definitely a proponent for like a healthy amount of questioning, which I think you've probably gathered is like, <laughs> I like to, you know, wonder like, okay, these people have a lot of power. What are they doing? Like, why? Like, what are they doing with it? You know, and I do think, think it's, no, it's not, there's a distinction, I think, between questioning these systems and sort of insinuating that there's like some evil going on behind the scenes versus questioning the system in the way that I think I was questioning it because what I meant by I'm not a conspiracy theorist is that I don't necessarily believe that you know big bad pharma has this nasty agenda to like secretly poison all of us with our pills and they're trying to kill off the youth of America with birth control like I don't believe in that and I don't I don't believe that necessarily every single doctor is acting in a malicious way with yeah. bad intentions to try to do some secret thing that they're all talking about behind closed doors in a boardroom. But what I genuinely do believe is that it, at least in the case of conventional versus more Eastern practices or like holistic medicine, 
I just feel like many doctors, and I I know this from having friends who ended up staying on the pre-med path and then went to medical school and are now doctors, the nutrition element of health is not taught in med school. And the holistic nature of the body is not taught in med school. And these people who are becoming doctors are so smart and they're learning what they're learning and it's very science-y and it's very black and white and it's very much like you have a headache that's up here in your head. You have a toe ache that's down here in your toe. You have a gallbladder issue that's caused right in the gallbladder. And of course they understand the connection between different parts of the body. Like I think they get it generally, but I just don't think that it's part of their schooling. And then they hear these people talking about things that I genuinely believe like, and I'm going to, I don't know if anyone's listening to this being like, okay, she is a conspiracy theorist. (laughs) But what I'm like, some things that I believe are things that a doctor would probably tell you. No, that's wrong. Such as I truly believe that someone's like emotional and mental state can manifest in physical symptoms. And Mm -hmm. so if someone has chronic pain in any way or migraines or like dis what's the word disrupted like a disrupted stomach all the time I would not only just be like here's your probiotics for your stomach or like here's your migraine medication but I would try to look into what is going on in your in your life in your stress in like are you holding any like traumas or holding on to things that you haven't released and I just believe that working with your like internal mind and body all together can actually alleviate physical symptoms. And I've just had too many instances in the past few years of having had physical pain for one reason or another, and then getting like kind of perpetuating the cycle of pain by being super stressed about the pain Mm -hmm. and getting all caught up in my head. This happened with my back. This happened with my headaches. Um, over the past like six months, this all happened. And in both cases, I had to read books that were basically helping me realize that I'm making it a lot worse by being stressed about it and like calming the anxiety side of it, which in both cases, the pain went away in like a week as soon as I either like calmed down about it or got out of my own way about it. So I just can't, I can't not believe that there's some sort of deeper connection. And whereas if I went to the doctor and I said like, I think I'm causing my own back pain by focusing on how I have so much back pain. They'd be like, no, you need medicine or put ice or heat or, you know, here's Advil. Like they'd be giving me things to do because they don't want you to have symptoms. But like, I don't just want to be on symptom alert. I want to be on alert of like healing the whole being for life. Yeah, exactly. You explained it perfectly well with the fact that it's, it's, and I agree with you, like, Sure, I, I like to have fun and dive into conspiracies and be like, okay, what if there's someone like driving everything, right? But in the end, like, I don't know. I'm not gonna like die on that hill because I, right. I just I just don't know. Like we don't know, right? But there is a really interesting piece there that they don't teach the nutrition piece and they don't teach that integrative root cause approach, which is basically what the main difference is, is one is symptom management, the other is root cause. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, where people start to, in the extreme, like lose trust and just 
want to basically ditch that whole institution because it feels like so counterintuitive. It feels like you're not really help. Like if you don't solve the root cause and like, it's never going to go away. Right. Like it only gets worse potentially. And, and that's pe- even the, sorry, th- that's just the exact issue with the pill because I was lucky enough to have not, I, I didn't have issues before I went on the pill. I had a normal period. I just wanted to have sex. So they gave me a pill, but most, if, I mean, maybe not most, many people who go to get on the pill ask for the pill because they have painful periods, really, really like horrible PMS symptoms or their periods super irregular Mm -hmm. and there's some underlying root issue and there's no attempt, it seems, to uncover the cause or help this young teenage girl balance her hormones or, you know, figure out how to get her cycle more normal. Instead, it's just, here's a pill, band-aid approach, and then these people end up on the pill for 10, 15 years and by the time they come off, they usually come off being like, time to get pregnant. And then they realize, oh, wait, it's going to take me over a year before my body resets because, and, and it might not ever reset until I go see someone to address these issues that I should have addressed when I was 16 or 17. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's what happened with me. Actually, the reason why I was put on the pill and I like, am so, it's fine in the end, but like, I'm mad that I didn't know better. I was put on it because I hadn't gotten my period yet. Oh, wow. Which is like fucking crazy to me to think that they, like, obviously that, like, How we needed to, I was like, I want to say 17. So it was late. Like I was mm-hmm. late on my period. Right. But obviously no, like it's because, you know, I was maybe underweight at the time or like right. any other bountiful number of reasons why it could have been but like it's so crazy to me that that is what we viewed as the solution was to like artificially give me my period like i it's insane and that's the thing is when you switch the other mindset you like literally don't understand how that could be a solution so Mm -hmm. it's like it just there's so many stories of women like particularly because it's because so many women end up on the pill that you're very close to this idea of like you have symptoms you have issues and it being solved by a pill versus being solved by you know the holistic approach so i think with women particularly really we really understand that and that's why i think in this space there's a lot of uh like women holistic doctors in general because from an early age like you're just so much more in tune or out of tune and you learn later why you're out of tune with your body. Um, and but- I found that many holistic doctors end up getting into it because of a personal issue they had that was not able to be solved through conventional medicine or mm-hmm. doctors that didn't believe them or any number of insert XYZ reasons here. I've just found that a lot of holistic doctors come at it from an angle of themselves or a family member needing to try something alternative and then it being super successful and them saying, you know, now I want to share this with the world. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's why like, it is interesting though, I think to kind of wonder like, you know, so many people have this experience and like, to me, like, I think there is possibly something necessarily wrong, but like there is to me, a sense that we need to change this up because like think about all the people who, 
don't ever realize that because, you know, they're not exposed to the new information and they go their entire lives with underlying causes that are never addressed because this paradigm of the medical world, like, doesn't look into it. And it's like, that's not like we want to be a healthier population, right? So that's obviously why some people go to the extreme and say, like, they don't want you to be healthy. They want you to be reliant, which like in some ways, you know, it's like, yeah, if you as individuals have more power, like you don't need the institutions, which is like for the ones that rely on you being sick to make money. Like right. maybe if we want to like think about it that way, you know, and there's, there's also like some evidence to say that, like where you just have people who have bad intentions and are just putting profit over people. Like sometimes it's not, it's not even like a puppet master idea. It's just profit over people and that like they don't really care what is happening to the individual person Um, yeah you know and actually the biggest I think the biggest like upset in my mind right now which I not to say I'm like over the pill drama just because I'm not but I I think this at the stage I'm at now the stuff I've been like listening to and learning more about in relation to like women's health that I'm feeling really strongly about is how poorly young women are taught in general about our bodies and cycles. I'm just thinking back to health class and all I learned, literally all I learned was penis goes in vagina, baby is created, you will get pregnant. Basically like don't ever have unprotected sex. You're fertile every day of your cycle. You can get pregnant at any point, even on your period. Be careful. And I went through, all of my teenage years being terrified that I would get pregnant. I actually, that's why I went on the pill at age 16 or 17 when I was losing my virginity. And I remember being like so confident that I was going to be that person that like had the teenage pregnancy and then it would disrupt my ability to go to college. Like I was just so nervous about it. And Now, you know, I'm 28, I'm married, I went off the pill because I want, we want to start a family in the next few years. And I, for whatever reason, maybe it's because I follow holistic people, but I was like, I want to be off of this thing for at least a year before we start to try. So I went off in September, 2020. And it's still, now it's March, 2021. I still don't have a regular period cycle. Like I've gotten my period a couple of times. Once was artificial through progesterone that my gyno gave me to try to bring it on. But like, aside from that, it's not regular. And I, I listened to a million and one podcast about, you know, amenorrhea and getting your period back and just cycles in general. And after reading Dr. Jolene Brighton's book and another book called in the flow by Elisa Vitti, I am like shook at how little I knew about my cycle and how actually intentional you have to be about trying to get pregnant obviously many people get pregnant accidentally because they happen to do it at the right time but just because they did it just because they didn't know they were doing it at the right time that doesn't change the science of the fact that they did it in the perfect window and you know that sperm was waiting for that egg when it ovulated but like otherwise I feel like I knew nothing and now I'm learning so much and with this new, I have this thermometer here. This is the like app that I did a sponsorship with. And I take my temperature every morning. I chart it in the app. Um, I'm using it as a birth control now, but like technically this can be used for conception planning at some point in the future. And, you know, I take my temperature 
I've also been playing around with like the little ovulation predictor kits just to see if I'm actually ovulating at the time when my temperature is rising. And it's been so fascinating to study the patterns and identify what's happening and be able to tell. It, it's crazy that I could tell I got a positive ovulation kit and then my temperature goes up and I'm like completely crazed by how little I knew and how there's so much information to learn. And if I could just go back and I don't know, tell myself something or if maybe like I need to make it my life's mission to go into health classes of middle school and elementary school kids. And I feel like these young women need to learn yeah. more than we knew. It's just such a travesty. Yeah, no, it's absolutely insane. Like I remember because my, so I went off the pill it's been a while. It's been probably like a little, at least two years, but I, I want to say it was 20, August of 2018. And I didn't have my, I still don't have it regularly. Okay. But I didn't have it for eight months. And wow. in that time. Yeah. And I remember before going off, making a decision to go off, my mom like insisted that I go meet with the gyno and like talk to her about it. And I'll never forget this experience where I like, Obviously, the guy knows this stuff, but I basically schooled her and sat there and like explained my understanding of the cycles and that like you can only get pregnant during whatever the six, seven day window. And I like just explicitly was like, okay, so if I avoid having penis and vagina sex during this window, I cannot get pregnant. Is that correct? Like I just sat there and I was like, this is how the women's, this is how reproduction works. Like, can you just confirm? And this is what I'm going to do. Like, I'm going to track my cycle and I'm going to avoid, you know, penis and vagina sex during this window. And like, therefore I can't get pregnant. Correct. And she was like, yeah, okay. I think you're good to go off the pill. But like, it's crazy because like, how the fuck do we not know this as women? Like, I don't understand how it's not taught. And like, I don't get it. And, and instead we, I will always remember one of my first times having sex, the condom broke and I'm so lucky. I don't know. You know, I think I was, I had just started the pill. So by the way, the whole time on the pill, I still wore a condom. That's how nervous I was about getting <laughs> pregnant. But I remember my like first two days on the pill, the condom broke. And I thought there's no way this pill has worked yet. It's like been in me for two days. And I, thankfully, I don't really remember why, but I decided not, it, you know, when you're on the first two days of a pill, that means you like just had a period. So mm -hmm. I just like sort of assumed that like, if I was that close to my period, it wouldn't have been possible. And I was fine and it was fine. But like in any other situation, if I was maybe like later after, if it was right before I took the pill or if it was, uh, you know, if, I don't know. I'm trying to think of an example, but if I was another girl, like I would have just run to get plan B yeah. and put whatever God knows what that is in my body to like strip my uterine lining for no reason. When meanwhile, I'm at a time in my cycle when I would not be able to get pregnant. And if I just knew my fertility signs and if I like knew more about my body than just, you know, I'm on an artificial hormone everything could have been different. And I, I have so many friends that, you know, ran and got plan B and who knows if they were even ovulating when that sex happened. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like beyond just 
understanding the window of like when you're ovulating. It's also such for women, such a key to understanding like your moods, your energies, your productivity throughout the month. And it's like, that's something now I've just joined this program. It's like a four month program where you basically like get in flow with your cycle and you learn everything. And like Alyssa Vinny program. Uh, no, it's through, um, this, this three sisters, their Instagram is called balanced buyers. Oh, okay. Um, I like just got introduced them a couple, actually like a month ago when I posted on my Instagram, I was like, I want to have a integrative fertility doctor on. And I happened to, I happened to win their giveaway of doing the free course. Just like I'm on a winning streak with giveaways. Just so I know. <laughs> yeah, um, good. Go um, but yeah, it's called power of periodization pop for short so it's basically like learning to live in flow with your cycle that's um, exactly what elisa Vitti does she has a method called cycle syncing and it's basically yeah. like you know follicular ovulatory luteal and menstrual like changing your life and your activity and your exercise and your food based on where you are in your cycle and it it just blew my mind when i read that book because i had this huge awakening i'll always remember where i was i was on the beach in the summer, listening to her on a podcast. And I had to pause the podcast to just tell everyone that I was with what I was learning. And it was one of those moments. I think the thing that really struck me was her sharing about how all of the research we have about diets and exercise is done on men. And we don't test this stuff on women of childbearing age because of the fact that it like could potentially disrupt their fertility. Hmm. which is the information that we don't share. So then women who are of childbearing age listen to the research about how great intermittent fasting is and how we should all eat this diet and paleo carnivore, the whole 30. And it's just not made for the female body. Like the way that our cycles work, we, we are not men. We're not little men. And so it doesn't work. And I was just so blown away hearing that and, it, it made me so inspired to get into the flow. So I want to, yeah. I am going to need more about that program. I want to hear about it. Yeah. I mean, it's like such a key to, I mean, for, for anyone, obviously like women in particular are different because we are these like cyclical beings. And this is what I've been learning recently is that, you know, the times of the month that say you, you're, more tired or you have trouble focusing like it actually a might be that your hormones are disrupted or that like you're in a particular phase and you need to work with that so it's like very empowering and more like you know productive to be in sync with that but it's just I like literally can't get over the fact that we are not taught that like I know it's just and it's like it's like fucked up because it's like you're I'm just overwhelmed right now because I'm just thinking back to like high school and even college and like, like, I don't know right now how people don't, I don't know anyone in high school right now, but like, I don't think that they teach it still. And like, I don't know how you learn about it unless you have some like moment that's like, hold up. Like, this is not how things are supposed to be. Like things might be wrong in my body and I need to learn about it. I feel like that's what's sort of driven me to be interested in learning more about it. And I really feel a calling to do more content about this stuff because the the amount of young women out there that I know are watching my videos, if they could just, you know, if they could learn about someone like Dr. Brighton or Elisa from me, 
and then, you know, go to their pages and explore their offerings and read their books, they will be 10,000 steps ahead of where I was at their age. You know, I have people sometimes as young as like eight or nine are following me and, you know, for them to learn about, I've had people message me. It's some of it is like so sad, you know, people being like, thank you for talking about your period. It's a shameful thing in my house and we're not allowed to talk about it. And it's like, oh my gosh. And that's kind of the the beauty of the internet in a way is being able to help people from around the world who have different situations and don't know the information, you know, but there's this fine line that I feel between wanting to share everything I learn and then being like, I'm not an expert or a doctor or necessarily an educator in this topic. And some of it is so nuanced and it's like, how far can I go before I'm like totally impersonating a medical expert. Yeah. I mean, I totally get that. I mean, I think it's, I was so excited to see you start sharing about it and share your story because I think like, I I mean, you know, I think it's fine to share. Like I do that all the time. You know, I read shit and then I like kind of think about it my own way and reframe it for people or just sharing like how you learn about it. Um, But even just sharing those personal stories like helps so many people and so many women or young girls who like don't have any other outlet for it. I'm like, yeah, it's also, I, I recently watched um, Bridgerton. Did you watch that? I didn't but, watch it, but my sister loved it. <laughs> but basically it's just, it reminded me of how in the old days they like set women up to have their marriage and they didn't tell them like how babies are made. So they, went to like consummate the marriage or whatever and had no idea what they were getting into. But now I'm just thinking like, it's 2021. Like we still don't actually teach women like the full story, which even think about like in countries or households where it's still taboo and like you can't talk about it. And like, it's funny because I actually try necessarily like outward, like I basically try to bring this topic up or have men around while I talk about it because (laughs) Like, I don't know why I just feel like there's something in me where I'm like, hey, if you're in like a heterosexual couple and like you, I think it's good to have like the boyfriend or partner, whoever involved, even actually for any like couple, there's a woman involved uh, Mm -hmm. or whoever like has their period. Um, (laughs) But like having more people know is really helpful and also will help make it less taboo and weird. So like I'll literally be at dinner with like, five dudes like out to dinner with Milan and his coworkers and like I'll bring up the topic of holistic wellness and like women's reproduction and I'm like yeah we need to fucking talk about this because it's half the population like you might be in a relationship with someone who has this issue and like we need to all know about it Especially- I just so badly wish we lived in the same city we would be hanging out all the time having all the best conversations like oh hearing you talk I'm just like I gotta get over there Yeah. I mean, that's where it starts is like, you have to just obviously like you have an incredible platform to like speak about whatever is on your mind. And that's also something that I wanted to like talk to you more about because it's really interesting. Like some people you get the sense that they like are very pick and choose about what they speak up about, but in a way that doesn't feel authentic. But something I noticed early on with you is like, that you definitely, you, I think you pick, but more in terms of a strategic, like knowing your audience, 
but you're very willing to share your perspective on whether it's like the election, which like I thought was, I like hugely respect people who, you know, openly share what their political opinions are, but are also not like shaming really other people for theirs. And I think you said that a lot of people unfollowed you like during that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of, I got a lot of, you know, classic for anyone who's listening to the podcast and doesn't know, I'm pretty liberal and voted for Biden. <laughs> um, and I got a lot of people that were major Trump supporters. Like, obviously, I got the, the trolley types yeah. where they were just like, you know, you're uninformed. Donald Trump is going to save the world, stuff like that. And I, for better or worse, like, I genuinely don't think of those comments as coming from real people, although I know they are. But I'm just like, I, that doesn't affect me or offend me at all because I just feel like, I don't know. You know, living in New York, as I'm sure living in L.A., I feel so disconnected from a huge chunk of the country. Mm-hmm. And I feel it, it's easy to understand, kind of like with the social dilemma, how we really are all living in our own little echo chambers of reality. And so as far as where I'm from, the idea that someone would support Trump or that someone would be have conservative values is like, we can't have a conversation. Like that's what the general sphere in New York and yeah. all my friends and family feel. Um, I feel a little differently because I do know that my audience is probably more of a 50-50 split. I don't know, maybe it's 60-40, but I do know that I have conservative followers who are from more like the middle of the country and just other areas and states. And so I never want someone to feel like isolated or or that like I'm not talking to them or Mm -hmm. I, I have no interest in helping them. And in a lot of ways, my platform is like apolitical because I'm just creating lifestyle content and I want everyone, you know, anyone and everyone to benefit from it and learn from it. So there are, you know, there are the times when Kind of like, I I guess the thing I would give the example of is like, was it Michael Jordan with like the shoes where he said, you know, Republicans buy Nikes too or something? Oh, maybe. Yeah. He made some statement and then it, it was, it was about um, endorsing a black democratic Senator somewhere and he wouldn't do it because Republicans buy Nikes too. And like at a certain point, I just don't, at a certain point I can't, it's it's really the people in my life, like my closest friends and family that get concerned for me that I'm going to be like cutting people out. And when I make certain statements or say certain things, you know, there have been a couple of times when my mom and dad will text me and say, okay, enough with the politics. Stop talking about it because they're nervous that I'm going to lose my job or just like lose everything I've built because I'm taking a stance. But I just maybe my echo chamber is even different from my parents. So like I see it so differently and the world that I live in on social media, the people that I follow, the celebrities, the regular people, like everyone that I follow stands up for what they believe in. And maybe it's just a generational thing, but I feel 0% risk at losing my job or losing, you know, my main audience. If I were to speak out against a cause that I like strongly believe or speak out for a cause I strongly believe in, I just feel like it's actually quite the opposite. Like if I don't speak out at a certain point, then either people will actually leave or people will be there, but it's like 
I've lost touch with sharing how I really feel with them. Yeah. And then at a certain point, it's like, what's the point of this platform? Because especially during the election, I was so fired up. Like I was so heated and my, my it was like a joke within my family that you couldn't bring up Trump because I was I was getting so aggressive and mad. And even from the start of his preg of I was going to say pregnancy <laughs> from the start of his pregnancy presidency, I was like truthfully, you know, against him for a plethora of reasons. But probably the biggest one was that I I view him as a bully, and I just like my whole you know i i was kind of like a mean girl up to a certain point in ninth grade when i stopped being a mean girl and i became like wow this is not cool at all to be mean and i like prided myself for the rest of my high school existence on like i'm not a mean girl and i'm friends with everyone and i'm in the drama club and also have like cool friends and i just am friends with everyone and wouldn't dream of being mean to people online or in real life and so yeah, when i see yeah. someone like donald trump get elected into the highest office in the world, I'm just like, what message is this sending the teenagers who are deciding if they want to be mean or nice? Like, clearly you can get to the top by being an asshole. And so I just felt so strongly against him in terms of the bullying side of things. And so at a certain point at the end there, I was just like, if this guy wins, it's like literally the whole world is backwards. Like everything is wrong. And it's sending the wrong message to everyone and all the, the poor young kids. And I was just like, so fired up. So for me to not say anything would have just been like super not genuine. Yeah. I mean, media. yeah, I think speaking up, like, I mean, that's literally a, a core of like what I try to encourage people to do is like, you should say what you think, because like, even if people, but beyond that, it's like, because, being okay with disagreement, I think is really important. And like, I think, I think I remember vaguely, you also shared that some people who were going to vote for Trump or something also messaged you and were like, like, Oh, this is fine. Nice like, we, yeah. Said nice things. Yeah. Some people reached out and said, agree to disagree. Or like, they would just tell me why I was wrong. And I would just respond, like, agree to disagree with hearts. And they were like, you know, thank you for for sending me that. Because, you know, I think a lot of people who decided to vote for him, like, were kind of shunned by many of their own friends. So mm -hmm. I didn't want to isolate them. And I don't necessarily blame them. I'm assuming if I logged into their social feeds, I'd be fed all the information that they're being fed that's making them believe whatever it is they believe. So I feel like I've always felt that way about circumstance and like location like I sometimes think about if I was just born in another religion like across the world how I would believe so devoutly in whatever it is that my parents taught me and mm -hmm. yet here I am believing what I believe in my modern New York City life and it's just because this is what I know but like there's, I don't know if you, we can get into like right or wrong. I don't know. Obviously there is right or wrong with a lot of things, but yeah. just, I don't blame a lot of people for the fact that they think certain things because that's what everyone around them is telling them. And that's what all the signs are pointing to. And it takes a lot of energy and willpower and like knowledge seeking yourself to get out of holes like that. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think that's a really important thing to remember is like we, 
especially in the US, we live in such a melting pot style society where like you can't actually like assume that your norms and your values and what you think is right, it's going to be the same for someone else. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it's like that doesn't necessarily make the other person evil or like they should be shunned. It's more to say, you know, like we all come from different places and like you don't want to necessarily hold yourself as this high ground of like, I'm for sure like the moral superiority here, even though like, yes, there are certain things that's like, okay, murder is bad. Like we generally can agree on that. But like, you know, maybe there are people from another place that somehow in their world, like there's something to normalize or there's a different reason. There's a religious thing to it. Like who knows, I right? I think a really good example of this, I forget where I heard it now. I'm wishing I remembered, but I heard this interesting podcast or conversation about pro-life versus pro-choice. And it was basically saying how like the two sides cannot effectively communicate with each other about their beliefs because the problem is that like both sides reason for why they think the other side is wrong is not the other side's reason why they think they're right. So like, just to give an example, like if you were pro-life, you believe that like pro-choice people want to like kill innocent babies. And if you are pro-choice, you believe that pro-life people don't want women to have the right to do what they want with their body. And like each side would say like, that's not what our reason is. Like our reason is something else. And for each other when they don't actually understand. Exactly. You're just like applying your negative view of it. to that must be what they want. They must be evil people. And so like, that's one example where like, I believe strongly in a woman's right to choose, but I can't go around thinking that all pro life people are anti-choice like I know that's actually rhetoric that people use to try to flip the language but we're literally just fighting these battles like on different planes like we're it's like you're throwing I don't know like we're we're blasting a bomb out into the ether but they're actually in another galaxy like we're not having equal lines of communication yeah exactly and like it's interesting we bring this up because in so in this book i'm reading that i'm trying to get through so fast because it's so good it's mm-hmm. called the art of productive disagreement by buster benson it's like i think everyone needs to read this book because he basically one of the things he talks about is this concept of speaking for yourself and that a lot of times the mistake we make the mistake that we make whether it's like in a relationship and like a like an argument you're having or in a political discussion is assuming the beliefs and like feelings of the other person so like you said you know applying your assumptions of what you think other opposite group from you believes but what Mm -hmm. that does is like if you're in a like a live face-to-face conversation you do that the other person then doesn't feel heard or understood they feel like you're judging them because you're just making all these assumptions and instead what we should do is like invite people in to express their own side and then like you know, ask questions like, okay, why do you believe that? Or like, where does that come from? Or what about this situation? Like, have you thought about this? And let people actually speak for themselves because then we're going to understand better what everyone's talking about, you know? Because if not, you're just creating like all these environments where people, A, don't speak up anymore because they feel judged and misunderstood, which is a huge problem. 
So it's like by starting with the disagreement as the beginning point and being like, okay, so we're sitting here and we see that you are pro-life and I'm pro-choice. So like, how do we work through that? What, where did that stem from? Like just getting into it and not being like, oh, so you think this and that, <laughs> like getting right. it all angry and yelling at each other. But mm-hmm. that distills even into when we're not in face-to-face conversations and we do it over social, like on Twitter or anywhere, and people start to just make these huge claims about the other side, which sometimes are true maybe, but generally it's like, it's become so normalized to do that. And it's so counterproductive because no mm-hmm. one, like you just can't, fu- you can't ever fully put a stake in the ground for how someone's feeling. Cause like you just, you don't actually know. It reminds me of when people, you know, get a text from someone and they just like read it the way they want to read it, mm-hmm. which is potentially not at all how the person meant it when they sent it. And then we get caught up in our own story of this person is mad at me or they're judging me or, you know, and, and it's like could not be further from the truth. And I feel like that happens so much. Maybe it's just a product of social media or just like tech and not not talking always in person because we're really genu- generally we're not talking to the other side in person. I don't know about you, but I've never sat down with like a conservative and tried to have a conversation. I've only ever seen what they've sent me via DM. And mm. it's been obviously everyone feels a bit emboldened across the screen but also like every word they say like I read it in my like conservative voice (laughs) that's not necessarily how they meant it yeah yeah that's why I think a really good thing to do and something that now we can do because of you know we have Instagram we have podcasts especially is like for me I'll like find people that I would like for example someone who's okay like take Candace Owens right very conservative like generally is deemed as controversial because the media is mainly liberal. But so I just listen to her things sometimes for hours. Like I listen to her on the Joe Rogan podcast. I'll watch her Instagram lives. And like, I basically just try to consume, you know, reading or hear people speak from those perspectives. And even if the whole time I'm like, I hate this, I really disagree with this. It's, I think for me has helped me become a lot more like open-minded and able to listen and to then also understand my own beliefs. And in the end, sometimes like I learn something from them. Like maybe I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, I never thought of it that way. I actually agree with this piece of your argument, right? So it's like, I think that's a practice that we don't really do enough in general because it can be uncomfortable. Like you don't necessarily, not everyone, maybe I'm just fucking weird, but like (laughs) not everyone wants to sit for three hours and like listen to someone that they like, really don't like you know but I mean I, it's a good it's a good character trait Bella I like that it's good you're learning you're keeping your eyes and ears open you're keeping you know a fresh heart and mind it, I think it's good yeah I mean I feel like it, it maybe that's like the extreme end of like trying to listen to people you disagree with but even just like it's it's interesting on social and on Instagram and these more visual platforms because you do have to think about I'm sure you think about this all the time is like how like you are you're strategically thinking okay I'm putting words in the caption there's an image here or I'm talking on a video and there's not the opportunity directly for someone to give you feedback right away and so for me like I automatically try to like 
disprove everything I say. Like I'll already think, how could you argue against this? If, if you can, that's fine. Maybe like, that's not the point, but on Instagram and that kind of thing, and especially just with you having a big platform, you're obviously very aware of like the impact and you know what you say, but that is an interesting piece of like conversation that is hard to navigate because it's not, it's not like the real version of conversation where someone in person can be like, no, hold on, you know, like you just get to monologue a lot of the time. Yeah. And that's actually how I feel like anyone that has a platform, you just are learning on the fly what is a good thing for you to say to your audience and what you maybe shouldn't say again. And it's, I think it's totally based on your audience and like what demographic and group of people is following you. But I remember being, I'm so grateful for my years at Refinery29 because that company is just so politically correct in every way. And just the the language they use, the way they phrase things are things that just in my circles that I run in, like the family I grew up in and the friends that I have in real life, they're just things that like no one would have thought about because we don't necessarily know many people that like fit into the categories of what I'm talking about. And so, I mean, just to give you an example, like I will always remember, you'll pro- you probably heard this in my in my pill video, but I'll always remember that I once the first time I made a video about periods, I was really talking about women because as far as I'm concerned, as far as far as I knew, women have periods and men don't. Hmm. Working at a place like Refinery opened my eyes just to and granted it's not just refinery, like the world changed a lot and people just became a lot more like PC and knowledgeable about these things and issues came to light but I learned that not everyone that has a period identifies as a woman so when you're talking about people with periods it's actually better to say people with periods or people who have a cervix or people who have a vagina because it's not necessarily women Mm -hmm. and you could be just cutting out people that have periods but are not women and like that's just something that in my personal life, like I don't, I actually don't know closely any transgendered people or uh, many non-binary people. And if I hadn't been told that, which I'm, I'm grateful, it, it always comes in in a different way. Sometimes yeah. someone like will write it on public, you know, on in public on your post, and there's just a layer of like shame that you have to get past that you didn't know that. Um, and that you're being called out on it. But I've always responded very politely, like, thank you for letting me know. Because if it's something I didn't know, thank you. I do appreciate it more when it comes through in a private message, just because it's like less publicly embarrassing to find out that you didn't know something. But either way, I get the message and I learn for next time. And so now literally in any video you watch of mine, including the pill video, I do not refer to people as women when I'm talking about like, traditional women's reproductive topics. I talk about people with periods or people with vaginas or whatever, because whatever. And I get a lot of comments being like, thank you so much for being so inclusive with your language. And the truth is like 99% of people, the way I like to think of it is most people who are biologically women and who identify in a gender in a gender way, is that how you say it? As women. Yeah. Most people, those people 
will not care or be offended that I didn't say women. Like they won't care that I said people with periods. They'll think they will go right over their head and they'll know that I'm talking about them. It's the like smaller percent of the population that otherwise would have felt completely out of the conversation and would have felt like I was not being inclusive to them that would notice if I didn't use the right language. So like you're using, you're changing up your rhetoric for like the smaller group to make sure that there's inclusivity. And I've a hundred percent made tons of mistakes and issues as I've learned for myself. I like to think of it as like, I'm, I'm learning just how to be a sensitive and empathetic and like politically correct human, but I'm doing it in public. Most people learn this with their friends and maybe like a friend will call them out in private, but everything that we do, like every mistake we make is just a little bit more displayed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it definitely like, I think it's, it definitely comes across like that. You are very, you know, self-aware and authentic and genuine, which I think is also like, it's kind of, like more well perceived to make mistakes when you to begin with are like doing things you know when you know when people have a good heart right so it's like if you know I see someone that says something weird or rubbing the wrong way or wasn't inclusive or something like I generally assume I'm like okay this person's not evil like it's fine maybe they'll learn about it maybe not whatever but I definitely you know agree it's a good thing in general to be aware of the words you use and just try to be inclusive like you know, you don't need to go crazy over it, but like, it's a good thing to just be aware. Some things that I could never have known, like there, some of this is, is about inclusivity and are about things that like, I think part of the reason I would maybe feel embarrassed or like ashamed if someone called me out on the language stuff is because I sort of hold myself to a standard of being like, I should have known that. Like Mm -hmm. maybe if I read more articles about transgender or like just maybe if I understood it more and if I, was more woke as a human, like I would know this. So I'm clearly sleeping, (laughs) not woke. (laughs) And sometimes like when it's a situation like that, I, I can feel bad about it, but there are other situations where you just have to like come to terms with the fact that there's absolutely no way you would have known that because it's either like not something that people that you grew up with do, or it's, it's a, something for another culture and there's no way you would have possibly known that because you don't know anyone like one example I'm remembering is I went on a trip once and I went to a hotel room and I took this like classic influencer photo where I'm flipped upside down on the bed with my feet in the air like hanging off the bed my hair looks I'm wearing a face mask it was like very influencer and I got like tons of comments from my followers in India being like your feet, I I guess there was like some artwork on the wall that was a Hindu god or goddess. And my feet were like facing the painting, which in Hindu culture is incredibly rude to put your feet towards that god. And even this has even been an issue for me in a couple of yoga classes in the past, because I used to go to this yoga studio that had a painting of, um, forget the god's name, Krishna, maybe the elephant. Ganesh, it was Ganesh on the wall. And I would do handstands against the wall, like to take pictures and my feet were on Ganesh. And it's like, I, from an American lens and someone who like, I never learned, I only learned about Ganesh from my yoga teacher. Who's like, 
Ganesh and the little mouse walked. Like I don't learn the customs and what's appropriate and what's not. And, and that's not something I've ever like Googled or met someone in person who has told me. So it's not something I think about. And then a flood of followers from India or just like people that know were writing, telling me it's actually really, really rude to put your feet, you know, this, you have to take this down. Like this is super horrible. And it's like stuff like that. You can't, you can't let that. I, I remember when I saw the first comment come in, I was like, Oh, no one else is going to say this. Cause like, that's an obscure reference. And then literally like 50 other people. And granted, I, I think India is like a pretty big set of my followers, but it was a lot of comments. And at a certain point I was like, how am I going to approach this? Cause I'm not, I'm not just going to take the picture down. Like it's not, this wouldn't be considered rude in my custom. So like, I don't know, I'm not just going to remove it and be like, maybe it could be a learning experience for everyone. Mm. And so I kept it. And I think I put on my story, like, by the way, guys, like I just learned this. I'm getting a lot of comments. Good to know, like good for all of us to know and responded to all the comments being like, wow, I didn't know this. Thank you so much. And now like anytime I'm putting my feet in the air, (laughs) it's something I think about. And I, you know, observe my photos more closely to make sure that there's not some sort of symbol or any, you know, if I'm in a different country, make sure I'm not posting anything that's like culturally insensitive for that country. And it's like, you can't learn that stuff by someone, you can't learn that stuff by just knowing it before someone told you, you kind of have to make the mistake and then learn for next time. Yeah. It's interesting to like, think about if at some point the effort of like always trying to be inclusive and like PC for everybody can get to an extreme where like it starts to I like for now like I don't see it as a big deal right like okay if you can make someone feel better because you use a different word like okay sure that's fine it's not a problem like it's not a big deal but I think it is interesting to think like some people are afraid that it gets to an extreme where like you are like walking on eggshells type of thing and can't, you know, share your experience because some group or some person is not going to identify with it. And like, I think, again, these are, it's just the extreme sense of it. Like in, in whatever the middle moderation is like totally fine. But I have seen like, I think this kind of what contributes in a way to cancel culture, which we're like starting to do less of, but still happens Mm -hmm. is when people take it to a point where it's like, oh, XYZ person, celebrity, public figure with huge following, like didn't use this correct term, like they're a fucked up mean person. And it's like, okay, like that's too much. But I think that that possibly stems from like an overly PC effort that makes people like walk on eggshells and that from, because think about from, I don't know about you, but like sometimes I'll see posts and I'll be like, oh, I, I don't like that word they used or like that feels weird to me. But I generally like don't, dm or like comment sometimes i rarely dm people to be like i really don't like how that word you use is offended offensive to me which is like sometimes yes you should stand up for like if you think something is wrong but i wonder on the flip side it's like for people to understand like in our culture the whole feet near painting thing doesn't like we don't think about that as an issue so i wonder for someone, say I'm from the culture that has an issue with that, but then I remember like, okay, Lucy's 
from the US and it's not a big deal for her. Like she obviously didn't do it to offend anyone. I'm going to be like, it's fine. Right. So I think there's a fine line when thinking of like the effect that it has on just how people share and the like environments we create around just people speaking up or or not speaking up because they're afraid that they're going to say it incorrectly. That's where I see like the slippery slope of it. And actually I'm remembering now, like a lot of the comments that I got about that painting were like, there's no way you would have known this. So I just want to let you know, Mm. and then insert sentence here. And it's, I, I really appreciated that because, you know, no one wrote like, how dare you? This is horrible. Like they knew that there's, that I wouldn't have known, but I think they view it as like an educational learning experience. And I think, I think if people just approached more of social media that way, it'd be a better place. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, I remember like one time I was, I put a video of me uh, like burning sage in my room and this person was like oh by the way um sage is actually endangered and like the native american populations really don't like when you use it and i was like oh like thanks for letting me know and i do i do remember i posted my story being like like a screenshot of the dm being like by the way interesting tidbit just for you to know but mm-hmm. like it's hard because i hope that most people understand if somebody makes a mistake it is not pc most people are not doing it in a malicious way like or they just have their own beliefs about politics and language and rhetoric and some people are really against um you know i think they call it compelled speech like making people use certain terms for whatever reason some people are against Mm -hmm. that and they think that it's a detriment to society right so we're all kind of like coming at it from our own angles exactly which is important to remember because it's like that's why again it's like can't really assume that people I tend to like see the good in general like I until I've have enough evidence I don't like I give people the benefit of the doubt and I'm like you know they have different experiences as me different experiences than me like they've read different books like they have a different background I'm not going to assume they're evil because they are conservative or anything right like Mm -hmm. I think it's probably more productive in the end to like leave it open to considering like their side of things mm-hmm. yeah there, there's gonna be and you know as your platforms continue to grow there are gonna be like infinite amount of times in the future that someone messages you to tell you something about something you're using or something you're doing like even the most benign ridiculous things like i you saw my trampoline posts from this past week yes so fun there was a comment being like it was so funny. Ugh, I wish I remembered it verbatim, but it was basically like, I just want to let you know, bouncing on a trampoline can cause your bladder to leak. Like something about how like I, it can cause you to pee in your pants and weaken your pelvic floor and you should be careful on the trampoline. And I was like, thank you. Like, I'll be careful. I'll be careful. Like, or I don't remember what I said, but I was like, I don't think any drops came out, but I'll check. Like, I had no idea how to respond, but it was it was almost funny. Yeah, but it's like yeah. you can't you can't do once your platform gets to a certain size, like you can't do anything without hearing everyone's opinion, and you kind of have to just be okay with that. Which is why, you know, I'm anyone can DM me at any time by coming to my profile and sending me a DM. But I did turn off my DM responses on my story. I only turn them on 
when I'm doing a specific story sequence where I want people to respond for some reason, as I did yesterday. But for the most part, that's off because as we all know, like DMs can become, depending on what your personality type is, and I'm a type A where like I can't see 99 unopened DMs and not spend time opening them and reading and clearing them out. And it was taking up so much of my life. I remember a couple of years ago, like my whole commute from home to work would just be spent staring at my phone, answering people. Anytime I sat on the toilet, time to answer DMs. Like just before dinner, I have two minutes while Michael's plating the food DMs. Like it was what a waste of my life. And I was doing it because I felt like I needed to be accessible to people at all times in order to keep my platforms alive and growing. I didn't want to shut myself off, but it was really just taking up so much of my energy. And it was also, you know, the messages you get back, it's everything from the really, really thoughtful, you know, life stories that are interesting to read to no matter what you post, someone asking you, where did you get that? What color rug is that? I, I literally would joke that if I would take a picture in front of a white wall, someone would like 10 people would probably DM me and be like, where did you get the paint for your wall? What's or like paint coats, hex coat literally what's, what's the coat or, or, you know, where did you get that wall? Like <laughs> it's a white wall people and people want to know where you got everything. And when you just make that one step harder, like if you really want to know where I got this wall, you can come to my profile and DM me, but I'm not making it easy where you can just like drop a comment as you're passing through everyone's stories because that overwhelms my life. That was a a decision that I made and it was life-changing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, two things. It's so interesting. Like one, that's something I recently was thinking about is like, no matter what you say, like someone is going to have something to say about it, whether good Mm -hmm. or bad. Like literally think about you could be, because I was talking with my roommate about this, like this woman was walking her baby outside, like getting fresh air. And someone had some shit to say about the baby and this and that. And I was like, literally, you could be posting a video about how like you're happy because you had a new job and someone will be like, you should consider not doing that because someone will feel bad about it if they're stuck in their job. And it's like, literally, yeah. So like, I came to the decision, I was like, I just, I don't care. Like I'm, I welcome the feedback like that. I'm fine with not to say like, I'm never going to consider other people's viewpoints, but it's more like just share and say for the most part, what is on your heart? Because like someone's going to say some negative thing about it. And like a lot of the time they're either projecting, like they're upset. Like you had a whole story you shared on, like, I think it was a, one of our Patreon zoom calls about this girl who was commenting like really negative things all the time and then you ended up like having a zoom call with her (laughs) but it's like that's the thing is like sometimes people are just upset on the inside and they're taking it out on whoever they can so it's like you realize that when people when people have an issue or like something's going awry in their life in some way and then they see someone posting something that like is the opposite of that or disproves that or whatever anyone like arguing against what an influencer is saying on Instagram is coming at it because that's not their experience and they're offended and like Mm -hmm. as an example like to go back full circle to the pill conversation when I posted that I went off the pill and I made my whole post about it and it was like one of my most commented on things like 
hundreds of people came out to tell similar stories or similar but different stories. And the thing is, I can see how there were probably a lot of young women out there or young people with periods who are on the pill and have no intention of getting off the pill and it's fine for them. And as far as they know, their gallbladder is not an issue. And by someone writing and putting on their phone in their face, this negative thing about something they're doing, it feels like a personal attack on their decision and their values and their knowledge. And it feels like I'm telling you something either you don't know and telling you that you didn't do enough research or I'm telling you that you're like, I, which I wasn't saying, you know, I wasn't saying you're stupid, you don't know anything. I was saying like, I was you and now I'm here and now I'm telling you what I want to tell you. But pretty much all the comments that I would classify as like negative were people writing things like, this post is dangerous, you're fear-mongering young women into thinking that this very effective pill is going to harm them. Like, I understand this is your experience, but don't, don't like shame women into going off, whatever, which I was not doing. But like reading comments like that, my first thought was, this person's on the pill. This person feels attacked that I've gone off the pill and that I'm potentially encouraging another person to like do something that they don't believe in. And it's like, you don't, you don't find people who, people who like see what you have to say and it's not triggering. They either write an agreeing comment or they just pass on by like, or, you know, there's obviously people who don't agree and don't write anything, but like the people who really write something, it's like at that point you've disagreed and you were triggered and now you've written something. And as the person on the receiving end, you have to be aware of like where all these comments are coming from, because you can't, if you want any shot at doing this job full time and in the long term and in a sustainable, healthy, like mental health way, you can't go around living your life thinking that what everyone wrote about you is true and like internalizing it and feeling it and feeling upset and ashamed of everything you've done because like, no, you're never going to please everyone. Yeah. And it, at the end of the day, it comes down to like, do you like sharing this stuff? Are you helping a, even a small group of people? Great. Okay. The rest is just noise. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like, it's also like people can comment that they disagree, but do it in a way that's like open and productive because there's a difference between being like triggered about something and commenting in a way that's like, oh my God, fuck you. Like you're, <laughs> are you good? Sorry. I just ate an almond and it was actually poison. Like I may have just been poisoned. <laughs> oh my God. I was like, uh, okay. I'm spitting my almond into my bowl right on our call. Oh my God. I think it was poisonous. It's fine. Um, oh. you good? Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, what was I saying? Almonds. Wow. Um, almonds are so bad for the environment. <laughs> So rude that you could promote eating almonds on this call, Lucy. Oh That's really God. fucked up. <laughs> They're poisonous. Nobody eat them. Oh my God. Um no, but like <clears throat> I'm dead. Um yeah, like there's a difference between someone can comment in a way that's like Oh, that's so interesting. I never considered that perspective. Like I find that so fascinating that you believe this. Like I am totally blah blah blah, you know? Versus being like that's so fucked up. I can't believe you're saying this. Like, this is really horrible. Like, 
that doesn't lead to anything productive. And it's like, you're also, when you're on the receiving end of a negative, of a, you know, whatever contradictory comment to your belief, you're going to be more open to receiving it. If the person, if you can sense the person is like not triggered and just like attacking you, because of course people are welcome and they should express how they think. Like if someone, if I post something and someone's like, I don't fuck with that, but they want to say it in like a respectful, productive way, like I'm super down, like I'll then respond to you or I'll DM you like I want to talk about it. But it's when right. people come at it from this like triggered, like defensive, you just know that they're doing it because they're upset with themselves. And it's like, we're not going to have a conversation starting at that point. I also generally genuinely wonder how the commenting space would be different on social media if there was no ability for people to like engage with your comments, like to like thumbs up your comments, because I believe a large portion of people leave mainly negative comments with the hope that others will jump on the bandwagon and like it and it will get to the top and it will be like, you know, this mean comment that's sitting on the page as the most liked nasty response to the post. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's one, I don't know if you know this Instagram feature, but one of the best features of Instagram is mute where if you have someone that like is writing a string of comments or like always write something mean to you, or even doesn't have to be mean, even if there's like someone that this could be useful for someone out there who like has just like a weird person that like comments on all their stuff and they feel weird about it. Mm. You can mute them. You go to their account and just press like mute person. And it basically means that like from their perspective, nothing has changed. So they can go to your post, they can comment, they write whatever they want. But first of all, it will show up as like a hidden comment to you. So like you'll have to unhide it if you want to see it and no one else can see it. So, and, and the good thing, it's, it's better than like blocking someone or deleting their comments. Cause then they create a fake account and they're like, she blocked me. Or like, they'll literally comment from another account being like, you're deleting comments. So, you know, deleting and blocking is not as smart. I feel like when you do this, especially when it's a troll, they post something that they think is like this really funny, witty response that's mean to what you posted and they're waiting for all the likes to roll in and no one can see it. So it's not getting any energy or traction. And at a certain point, they feel like, why did I write that? Like, I, I, I think that there's this like herd mentality of wanting to be everyone against the creator or everyone against the influencer, or everyone against the celebrity telling them that what they're doing is horrible and wrong. But when you write something negative and no one engages with it, there's got to be a sense of, oh, wow, like now I just feel even worse about myself because like I did that with the intention of having all these people jump on and no one even agreed with me <laughs> enough yeah, to like yeah. it. And I just, I, I definitely, you know, as a, as a person who has literally never written a mean comment on the internet because I would be embarrassed to do that, like I would be nervous that it would, I would just be so embarrassed to have my name tied to that. Like I don't, I don't get how people do it. But as someone who's never done it, I can't say that I haven't thought about doing it in a situation where I've been triggered by someone's post. And like what I want to do is like take them down with a negative comment. And like it's easy enough for me to put that cap on my own head and 
to think how I would feel if I did write the negative comment and no one liked it, I would feel like shit. But if I put the negative comment and it got 5,000 likes, I'd be like, yeah, let's get her like group, group effort here. And so I, it's easy. I feel like to understand what's going on in these people's heads, but as the creator, there's like things you can do to just make your life easier. Cause we, we live and work on the internet, but like we don't, owe it to people to just like hear all their shit all day yeah I feel like have you had I basically like have you had really I don't know bad scary weird experiences because like it's this public thing where like you can all like people can still dm you or whatever for the most part until you block them like have you ever had just I don't know moments where you're like oh god this is like so bizarre like my whole presence is online like it just feels weird and like how have you set boundaries to deal with that maybe you haven't but I'm just curious so thankfully I haven't had any creepy like stalker experiences I've always been just I always err on the side of being a little bit more cautious about sharing a lot of stuff in terms of specifically like location and like whereabouts. And so, you know, whenever I go to like a hotel and I'm at a clear spot, I usually will tell whoever I'm with, like, I don't want us to like geotag where we're staying until we leave. And then I'll leave the hotel and upload all the photos I want of where I stayed. But like, I don't need to tell people like, I'm here right now, come get me. And granted, like I've, I remember when I went into this job, that was a little bit of a fear of mine. And then someone, I wish I remembered who, helped me talk through it being like, you can't enter into this job being like fearful of what is going to happen once you become like Beyonce level. Like <laughs> you just can't enter this job because the truth is like most people, that's like the you know 0.01% of celebrityism that's at a certain point. And at that point you will have security and safety, but if you just go in being fearful of like, I don't want to get to that level because I'm scared to get there. It's just going to deter you from reaching the most people and like doing your best work in this creative field. So I try not to be like afraid about it, but I definitely am like cautious of locations and, um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty quick to block or, I guess block, I was going to say delete, but like mostly just block accounts. If there's any sort of creepiness or like any weirdness going on, I do have to say my audience on Instagram is 92% women. So it's not, I do know a lot of creators who have like more of a 50, 50 split and, or even more men. And I think their content is like more tailored towards men and they get a little bit more creepiness than I get. But I will say this, I haven't, shared this publicly yet so this is a podcast bomb drop but probably the craziest thing that's happened to me is that I was completely catfished this summer by a follower who reached out to me and told me that she was dying of lung cancer in Italy and told me her whole story and I got on a zoom with her and she was wearing a a nasal cannula, like she was like ill and she, you know, her voice was going and she, we spoke for 
an hour and then we kept in touch for weeks. And then I'm just going to cut to the long story short chase, but I didn't know it was her at the time, but she emailed me a few weeks later, pretending she was her dad, telling me that she had died. So she pretended to be her dad and said, like, my daughter died and she wanted you to know that she, you know, she, she made this message for you, sent me a video message that she made. And this whole, like this whole time as this is going on, I still at this point think it's real. So like, I thought that this like young girl that I met and like, that was so sweet. And that had was 16 dying of lung cancer. I thought she died. And my whole family was devastated. We were like crying. I, I actually had spoken to the girl before she quote died. I had spoken to her about how, when she did pass, if she'd be comfortable with me making a video about her story without sharing her name, but just like telling the story and using like video of her with her face blurred. And she said, yes. And I had made a whole YouTube video. And then like at literally the day that it was going to go live, I got the weirdest email from her account, which was supposed to be from her dad, but it was basically just like all of a sudden I got this weird email that was like, please don't post right now. We're, we're figuring out something with our lawyer. Like I got this weird email that insinuated that I couldn't upload the video about the girl. And I, I just remember it never occurred to me that it would have been fake, but I read the email aloud to my family and my sister-in-law was like, she's not dead. Like that's her. The email is coming from her. And there were all these weird parallels that came up of like, there, they were an Italian family and there were all these weird parallels with her English grammar, with her writing, where when she wrote to me as her months before versus when she wrote to me as her dad, she made the same grammar errors. Oh. And so there were just a lot of issues. And long story short, I ended up finding the dad online because she used his real name. Very stupid. I found her dad. I contacted the university in Italy that he worked for to get his email. And I reached out to him. And sent him this whole email kind of asking in a very vague way. I'm just like, you know, this is what I do. This is my job in New York. I'm curious if you know anything about, you know, this conversations I've been having with your daughter from your name. I'm curious. I just want to confirm it's you that I've been talking to. And I don't think he understood my English, but he wrote back to me and basically said like, hi, like your page your page is very interesting to me. I think it would be very interesting to my 16 year old daughter who's currently studying in the UK, like clearly just telling me she's alive. And then I went to the girl's Instagram. She had blocked me. And basically long story short, the video never went live. Um, and she's still alive and she has now blocked on Instagram, like all, my whole family. Cause everyone tried to follow her and like see what was going on. Um, but that was probably the weirdest because it was like, this emotional journey of like, I literally thought that I was like close with her. I was emailing her for weeks, sending her pictures of like my family being on the beach and she'd send me a photo from the beach. And then I thought she died. And like, my sister was devastated when she died. My sister had like dreams about her. She's like, she's been coming to me in my dreams. And then we find out it's this catfish. So it was very strange. And it did not, you know, in any way make me like want to get off the internet, but like, (laughs) it did give me a moment of pause Mm -hmm. of like, whoa, you know, you don't know anyone. Like it, I, it's the kind of thing where like 
you feel like you know someone because you talk to them and there's there are some situations like I feel like with you I know more information because obviously like it's been a longer term time you haven't like asked for anything of me (laughs) and also like I follow you on social media and I can see your life so I just feel like there's like a bit of a difference between like a person that you meet like this versus that but it's still like it, it did make me question for a while like except for the people that I know in my real life, how do I know anyone on the internet is who they say they are or like, isn't just like fishing for attention. Like, I don't know. So bizarre. Dude, that is (laughs) fucked up. Also because like, like that's like fucking emotional. Like you know, like I can't imagine how you felt. And then you're like, Oh, I've just been bamboozled. Like this person is not a good person. Like they were, Taking advantage and of it's me, like, like, and it's the weirdest thing is that, like, I the weirdest thing is that I, I didn't feel like she's not a good person. I felt like, oh my gosh, she is 16 and she probably like has no idea, yeah, how big of a deal it is to do something like this. Like, I when I was 16, like, thank god the internet wasn't around, I don't know what I was doing, but like, thankfully, I couldn't have just been on, you know, talking to a adult in new york who could make a video like expose i know her name and where she lives and her family's name like if i wanted to i could like expose her in like the new york times you know and it's like i I don't want to do that and i also like there's an element that i feel of um like i i don't know if i'll ever make a video about it because i i did i made a video about how she died the video i have is uploaded to my youtube as an unlisted link and it's like one of the best videos i've ever made it's like very emotional and sad and it made everyone cry that watched it, but then like, it's never going live now. And so I've thought about maybe making a video about the experience of what I went through and like using bits of the video in it Mm -hmm. to share the story. But like, I do have an element of fear of like, you never know, like if someone is stable, like as a human or even with her dad, like, I don't know. He's he seemed to be like a high up, well educated man, worked at a university. Like I don't know what connections he has. Like I just you don't I don't intentionally want to like hurt her life or reputation. I just would want to share it to share the story. Yeah. But it's like there's so much to think about. And so in a lot of ways, my brain just tells me like move on, forget about it, and don't process it. But then it's like it was this like emotionally traumatic moment that I don't think I ever really processed I mean it's like also because I imagine when you thought it was real that it was like a moment where you appreciated like your reach and being able to connect with people because like if it was a real thing like that is sometimes the beauty of social and of online worlds and stuff is like you do meet cool people like I've made some, obviously, like, our friendship literally grew because of social, like, other women I've met in the past year, all because of that. And, like, that's the power of it. But it's also, it's a double-edged sword. And it's, like, hard to think, like, oh, like, why, like, that's just makes me feel weird. Or, like, also you feel sad because you don't know why Mm -hmm. the person did it. And, like, sometimes, you know, people find 
charismatic, positive, great people online and like latch on because, you know, they just find them interesting, but it can like cross a line or it gets to like obsession level or just like, you know, any unhealthy obsession with something is not, I mean, that's why it's unhealthy. (laughs) Um, But like, yeah, it's just hard. I mean, damn, like that's crazy. (laughs) But I don't know. It's like, that's. No BS, no BS podcast. All the truth comes out. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I mean, wow. I'm happy you shared that. Obviously, maybe helped you like get it off your chest. You're like, oh, what is that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I told like all my friends like in real life, and everyone's just like completely shaken up by it. And I just, I don't know. I have. I'm sure I'll talk about it at some point, but I like I now like have a fear of going to Italy. I'm like, what if I see her? Like. I will literally freak out if this like, because the other thing is, even though I like found out from through her dad that she didn't die and she blocked me on Instagram. So like, I know she's alive. There's still like a part of my brain that thinks she's dead. So I'm like, if I see her, am I going to be like, it's a ghost? Like, well, you like literally mourned. Her I death. know. Like. It was, it was nice. really, really a crazy situation and it, it definitely illuminates for you how, how, you know, there are pros and cons of being public and being like, even not only being public, but being the way I am, which is like open to getting on a call with a girl that emails you that her life is going to end soon. Like Mm. that. And it just made me feel a little bit more like, all right. I have to recognize that there's going to be a lot of people in the world who maybe they are being genuine and they are knock on wood, like about to die. But like, I can't, you know, take my energy and life and become like really friends with all these people that are followers of mine from around the world and give them my attention and energy and love because they're not my real friends. And they're, they're just followers. Like someone just messaged me 10 minutes ago, or we've been talking for an hour and a half. So an hour and a half ago being like, I'm from, I'm from California. If you ever come, we should go to Disneyland together. I'd love to show you around. Like, I feel like we'd be really good friends. And when I read that, like I had a bit of a flashback of being, of just thinking like the truth is, I don't mean this in a rude way, but like, if I come to California, I'm never calling her like, and I, I just am never going to call a random follower to go to Disneyland because I have my own friends and like my own people in my life who I'm going to meet through like the events and things that I go to. But I don't really, this kind of goes on to like a new topic of general energy. Like I've been living over the past few years in a state of not seeking new friends and like if anyone were to ask me i'm like actively not seeking new friends like i don't i have a lot of friends that i already feel like i can't keep up with and i already feel like i'm like not a good enough friend in terms of how much energy i can give my like best friends so i'm just not seeking new friends and then every so often someone comes around like you that i wasn't looking for you you weren't looking for me but like we became friends and that's, that's happened a few times in my adult life. I have like a few adult friends that I feel really close to and that are like my people now as adults, but I wasn't like looking when they came. And 
I don't know. I just, it's interesting because people view social media as this one-sided thing where they think they know everything about you and they think you'd get along great and they think you'd be great friends, but, Mm -hmm. and you might, but, but that person probably doesn't have like enough energy to go around to like become best friends with everyone that's following them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to like draw the line basically because especially when like, you know, I relate to this. It's like, you are like a energetic, abundant, just like open person. Right. And those kinds of people also draw in a lot, which can be really great. Right. But you also have to like draw the line and be like, okay, this is not like me being an asshole, but like I have limited time and energy. Like I appreciate, you know, you always appreciate the supporters, like endlessly appreciate them, but like you obviously cannot be friends with all of them and that's not a bad thing. And like you're allowed to draw the line. Like you're allowed to be like, just nope, like just not, like I can't, like I don't know. I like you, I don't know you, whatever. And like, I don't know. I also believe things just like you'll cross paths with someone in a real authentic way if it's meant to be. Like you'll mm-hmm. end up actually become like whether you meet someone online and then actually become friends. Like it'll happen if it's meant to happen. If it doesn't, like whatever. Just like it's life. You meet people right. on the street at a coffee shop and then nothing happens of it, right? So have a nice life. That's what I say when I'm leaving people at a coffee shop. Like <laughs> I'll probably never see you again. Yeah. 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 But I mean, it's like, yeah, it's. I'm glad you shared that story. It's, it's really interesting, and it's also like, I don't know, just because I'm sure you've been on the flip side too, where like you, I mean, I'm literally sitting here being like, I found you, and I was, I don't know what you want to call it, like a follower fan, and then I just like really connected with you, and here we are because our energies aligned and whatever happened. But I also understand, like, I, you know like to support and comment and stuff. Cause I also know as a creator, like that means so much when people respond to your stuff. But I also understand mm-hmm. the line of like, not everyone is going to like reciprocate or be like, thanks or be like, Oh my God, like you're cool, whatever. Like they're just going to totally. pass through. And it's like, that's the world we live in now is our, we can access like 20 years ago, that level of like celebrity public figure whatever it was like you couldn't access them because it was like we didn't have the internet literally to just like talk to them and now like I could literally today dm Orlando Bloom and be like what up you know right and like it's what up Orly <laughs> you know and <laughs> it's funny because I'll also you know I'm like I have I'm a huge fan of Joe Rogan, I think everybody knows this, and Andrew Schultz, and like I'll tag them in my stories and I'm like listening to stuff or like whatever. And some people are really interactive. Like Andrew Schultz, every time you mention, in the, or at least every time I mention him in my story, he like likes it. And just knowing that he like viewed it, I'm like, lovely. Maybe uh-huh. we'll be friends in the future, maybe not, but like it's fine, right? And I just yeah. like, but it's, I think most people understand that boundary that it's like, yes, we have access, but like, these people owe you nothing (laughs) like you know like these whoever I'm following that I'm a huge fan of doesn't owe me anything and that's fine like I'm happy that they're there and they're sharing and the same thing with the verse is like you don't owe anyone anything if it doesn't fill you up like it's fucking fine (laughs) totally and I've just you know to put a cap on the whole social media conversation like I feel like in the past not even year like six month time period I just feel like I 
am approaching social media in such a different way now. And maybe it was because of what happened this summer with like all the social justice movements and people, as you were saying, like being afraid to speak because they didn't want to be not PC or like they didn't know what to say and cancel culture starting around this summer. Like there was a time in probably like June or July of this year when I just felt like so much fear around social media and it was really starting to feel not fun. It was starting to feel like there was a huge weight on my shoulders of what do I say? What do I not say? Um, you know, like how much should I be talking or not talking about this topic? There's the balance between standing up for social issues and going on with your content that people want to see, trying to please everyone. And like, there is a time when I just felt like so drained. And I remember thinking like, how am I going to go on for the next X number of years that I do this for a job and having to keep posting something every day, but having to be so careful and cautious about what I say. And whether it's because the world has sort of like swung back in a direction of like that being less of the main conversation, whether it's that or whether it's me changing, which is what I'm hoping it is. And I'm going to believe it is. I've just, over the past few months, I've like felt such a different approach with social media and just, it feels so much easier and lighter. And I've, I've noticed recently that, you know, you can spend all this time and energy trying to create content that like goes viral, but then actually the stuff for me that goes viral is the stuff that I come up with in a split second as just like a funny idea. And it's usually the stuff that took me the least amount of time to edit and shoot. It just was like a good, funny concept. And that's what has like grown my page the most in the past few years. It's not, it's been nothing like super intense that I'm like, it, it's not the way they say where it's like the longer hours you work and the more content, the better. It's just like you have to create more content because if you create a hundred things, like one of them could be funny and you don't know. Um, and so I've just, there have been so many days recently when like, like today, I just don't really have anything to say. And I don't feel I need to post something for no reason. Like there were so many days when I would wake up and be like, I just need to keep my account alive. Like, let me scroll back in my camera roll to 2015 and find a relevant photo that fits my feelings right now and, and write something. And recently it's been like, don't have anything to say. Okay. Like I have enough content coming up in the next few weeks that I know some of my like general highlights. And I'm sure when I'm in my cycle syncing flow and I'm feeling super creative and inspired, I'll come up with another idea that I'll shoot same day and turn it around and post it the same day. And I just can't get up in my head about trying to do more and always having content and feeling stressed. Cause like this is this is a lot of people's like fun side after work stuff, but this is our like job. And so like, we can't be going, we can't be approaching it with fear and like anxiety all day. Otherwise we will not last. <laughs> totally. No, hundred percent agree. And that's actually a shift that I made recently um, is like just basically doing it way more out of intuition. And like, if something comes up for me that I want to talk about, then I'll talk about it. And like, if not, then I won't. And I think that's so much more sustainable 
And I honestly think like I have seen now my own growth come from that where I'm like, oh, like I shifted to just sharing when it really felt authentic and like important to me in that day versus, you know, some people like plan out months ahead, which like works in general. But if you like aren't feeling it and you share it, people can perceive that. So it's like, that's a huge shift to make. And, um, the stuff that I upload that I'm like, I just need to say something, but it's like not relevant to my energy of the day or anything. It's like the response from the audience, just in terms of like engagement is like a reflection of the energy I went into it with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really, it's like all comes down to energy and like that just the vibes, like <laughs> I can't take myself seriously when I say vibes, but like it's literally vibes. what it is. Like it um, is. It's, it's the vibes. Yeah. Like it's just how you like people can read that, you know, it's like the unspoken thing in the room. Like it's the same thing online. You gotta like just be like the real authentic, just you. Like you're not you don't have an agenda. Like you can always tell when people have an agenda and they don't like it. Like it's mm-hmm. not, you know, it doesn't feel good. Um, yep 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 yeah my final question is like if you're in california would you want to go to disneyland with me (laughs) the answer to you is actually yes i would love to (sighs) and we'll see about inviting the other follower we'll see yeah we We need to do a background check first make sure they're really who they say they are oh my god yeah that's (laughs) fucking wild um my god this has been so freaking fun i'm so happy with this but like actually if you end up in la like i'll have you come on in person and we'll fucking hang out because obviously in-person interactions are next i'm probably never gonna move to la but i will definitely be there i mean my talent agency is there so like every so often i go to see them and like every so often there's a work thing so hopefully once the world opens back up more i will be there and we'll definitely have to meet in person yes That'd be so fun. Yay. Well, um, Yay. oh, why don't you, I mean, I think most people will be able to, but plug like where people can connect with you. Any, if you have any interesting announcements you want to make, go for it. Amazing. Um, so Instagram and YouTube, I would say are my two primary platforms. YouTube is youtube.com forward slash Lucy B. Fink. Instagram is instagram.com forward slash Lucy B. Fink. <laughs> Who gives Instagram as the HTTP address? At Lucy B. Fink, and I spell my name L-U-C-I-E. And then um, TikTok, I just was able to shift my TikTok name to Lucy B. Fink. It was Lucy B. Fink official before because someone had my other name. But now we're all standard across platforms. Um, and depending on when this comes out, I have an amazing new website that is in the works and so i don't know if you go to lucyfink.com maybe it will be there now but if it's too early and it says you know we're dreaming up something magical then keep trying every day after that because it's so pretty awesome yay well follow lucy interact with her watch her videos she's the fucking best love her so love you bella yeah. thanks you're the best this is so fun <laughs>